everybody and welcome back to Creativity Sense, a podcast around how creatives use their creativity as a sixth sense. I'm very, very excited to bring to you guys the third episode of this podcast. And this time we have Rob Luke from Passport. He's the head of design for them. And they have been creating some awesome new tech, new um, products for, you know, helping people easily pay for parking spots when you go you know to a downtown and you want to get a parking spot um and you see one and you you know you need have you know, change coins usually on your pocket you know put like your quarters on a machine you know to get your time so passport is creating um an app well they already have this app but rob luke and his team is redesigning the ui and the ux of the this app to make it easier for us, you know, to be able to pay for our parking spaces. And I mean, they have several other apps, of course. I will leave the link in the description as well for you guys. But in this episode, we're talking specific about Rob Luke's story and how he broke into the creative industry, how he became a product designer um, and, you know, his path all the way to being head of design for Passport. And just so you guys know, it has a lot of good information, a lot of good content. And this podcast is one of my favorites so far. I mean, I have, you know, just listened to it. I have learned a lot about, you know, different ways to think. Um, when should I go back and look at my work to have fresh eyes, you know, just prioritizing cert certain aspects of like, um, design and using little animations to make you know a user smile while using your app because a feeling you know conveying a feeling when you're creating a product or like a website or anything like that uh, uh, a human being is going to be using uh, if you can convey you know convey a feeling doing that you're good you're good to go I mean you're good because having that feeling when someone interaction with your app is just one of the probably most strongest uh, ways to retain a customer. So without any further ado, here's the episode with Rob Luke. Hello, guys. Um, thank you again for listening to Create Creativity Sense, a podcast around how creatives use the creativity as six sense. Today I'm here with Rob Luke, a head of design for Passport, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have some awesome um, experiences that he'll be sharing, um, and let's know a little bit more about Passport as well. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me uh, interview you. And This is my first in person, so it might be a little awkward. <laughs> Super excited about it, though. So just to start, tell us a little bit about your story, your background, like how did you become a creative? Um, yeah. All right, so um, I am older now. Um, so I grew up in a time when doing design, I think would land you a teacher job or a starving artist job. So I was a, a major in art in college back a while ago. And um, that was obviously not gonna be lucrative or super successful for, for my future. So. I uh, went through a whole lot of different ones from like math um, to science to business and then finished with psychology and communication, which was great because um, psychology and communication teachers are pretty interesting and especially psychology because they all have multiple personalities. I think they sometimes 
no, I'm not going to go down that path anyway. <laughs> but um, it, it ended up being really quite relevant because when you're doing product design or any kind of design, you have to think about the user, um, get into their brain a little bit, and then also figure out how to communicate it. So mm-hmm. that worked out really well, um, which was fortunate. Uh, then fast forward, uh, ended up being a real estate agent and in sales, which was terrible, um, but successful, but great and horrible because I'm an introvert. and. Yeah. When uh, going through those days, at the end of the day, I would just get at home and just go in my cave and just crash. But um, when the crash, speaking of crashes, when the crash happened back in like 2008, I think around then, um, that was when the first iPhone was introduced by Steve Jobs and had this incredible keynote with painting the problem and then solving it with this one beautiful device that you just yeah. wanted to lick. And um, <laughs> I remember looking at that and thinking, wow, this, this, this whole new set of problems that are, are all a new way of kind of solving these problems that are out there, a whole new device, new screen size. And I was just captivated by that and kind of reawoke that kind of desi- that desire to solve things graphically and, and be a bit of an artist looking at how other people had already accomplished that. So um, fast forward a little bit more, I was still doing real estate, but getting really excited about this. The iPad was out and was communicating with a developer um, Dylan Ginsberg, who had done a, an app called River of News and was sending over ideas to him. Um, and he luckily kind of engaged with me and was enjoying some of the things that I was sending. So we decided to build an app um, together and partner up, uh, which was great. And we did a, a Facebook app mm-hmm. because Facebook wasn't on the iPad yet. And it was a horrible name, but um, interesting. It was called Friends with, Friends with Benefits. Nice. So the icon <laughs> was like the Facebook um, avatar with a mask over it. And the idea of it was to uh, retheme Facebook. So Facebook always looked the same, um, had ads. This this would let you make it look like a book, um, add colors. And I think um, one of the first times, one of the things that was really cool is I think we kind of co-solved the, the drawer problem with trying to get this UI element to be able to show up that you could get all these selections. So the actual UI would slide over to the side and then behind that was the drawer with all of the different themes. And so we put in 20 different themes to do this. And um, that was a cool thing to kind of implement, see out there. And then I think that, not because of us, I'm sure, but became a trend. A lot of other people started using that navigation drawer, which has now since gone away a lot too. But um, the cool thing about that was in order to retheme Facebook, it was learning CSS. So that was completely foreign to me. So started Mm -hmm. learning some front end things, learned CSS a lot, started redoing the style sheets with a whole lot of important tags. Um, so that I could override the way Facebook looked. And um, so then we built that out. We thought we were going to make $100,000. Everything was going to be great, and we were going to move on. The app was in the top five on the social category for a good four or five months. Um, Always had an average of like four and a half to five stars. That's pretty good. um, Which was great, but we made, I think, a combined (laughs) $3,000. Because the iPad is uh, was just not as utilized at that point in time. So not as much of a user base. So Epic fail on expectations because of um, thinking that that was going to be the, the path to great success, but turned into a different kind of opportunity, which is always um, you hear enough people talking about doing things like skunk works or extracurricular activities because they might turn into something more. If you're doing what you love, sometimes things come out of that. So mm-hmm. I was um, still in real estate. I would put on my headphones um, and when people would walk in the door, I'd be so pissed because I had to stop and I had to talk, which just kind of further cemented my my knowing that I was introverted. But um, eventually realized that this is, this is something that I wanted to do. It was a passion. I, I loved it. I just needed to figure out how to do that. And um, somehow the stars aligned. I'd put my resume out there 
um, really kind of fibbing with front-end design skills, which was what I thought was the better path at that point in time. And uh, Wells Fargo had seen the app and had contacted me through a recruiter, um, went in and interviewed a um, manager who um, I still speak with all the time and have since let him know. Um, he asked all the wrong questions, and somehow I slipped <laughs> through the cracks and uh, got the job at Wells Fargo and was able to start doing front-end development and then also kind of quickly shifted into um, lead design in the team that we had there also. So um, that was Wells Fargo Securities, was able to build internal products so I didn't have to be bound too much by uh, Wells Fargo's brand guidelines. But it still hit a point uh, to where you can only do so much with the banking industry too. I remember him telling me when I was getting interviewed, just so you know, when you're interviewing for this, 98% of the stuff that you're going to build or conceptualize will never see the light of day. And oh, wow. a lot of that was pretty accurate. Um, not being able to see your stuff out there was was disheartening. So realized I hit a point to where I had learned, I had forced myself to learn more front end. So I'd become proficient with that and started getting more and more into design also. And um, in Charlotte, there's this great company called Skookum, which uh, has a great reputation. It's a consultancy agency and they get to work with some pretty exciting clients, um, including Wells Fargo, interestingly. But um, <laughs> so I, I decided it was time to move on, had kind of stalked them and was able to weasel my, weasel my way into Skookum, which uh, then led into uh, moving into the future, being lead designer at Skookum and getting to solve different problems uh, every three months, which was fascinating and exciting uh, and, and also just great because there's a huge broad uh, width of, of different kind of problems that we were getting to solve from banking to internet of things to finance to, well, I guess that's kind of banking, but uh, library, um, robotics, beacons, Bluetooth. And so it was all these great things. And it, you started to realize that by working in a place like this, you can find solutions that was in a product that was completely different from what you were trying to solve on a new product, but you get to pull these elements. Mm -hmm. So we started getting really creative solutions to new things by leveraging all these other things that we were able to do in that. Um, we also had great skunk works in there. We were able to solve a lot of kind of just internal um, inefficiencies by creating internal products. And that was a lot of fun too. But then fast forward again, um, <clears throat> was loving it there. Uh, Passport had reached out to me which is this very unique company in Charlotte. There's not too many product companies in Charlotte. And Passport is solving these great problems uh, with uh, transportation. So their flagship product, which was the first one that went out there, was parking. So there's kind of Park Mobile, uh, Pay by Phone, and Passport are the big players in that, mm -hmm. that vertical. And then they started getting into tolling also, enforcement, citations. Um, now we're doing tolling. Um, I, did I say that in transit, if I didn't say that already? And then also this great data platform that takes all of that information and puts it into this digestible place so that cities that bring in our, our applications are able to look at this stuff in real time and make real real time decisions to re kind of adjust traffic patterns. So people by upping prices in a really highly congested area, it can then bring up more um, parking in another area that's not as, as, as heavy. Same thing with increasing tolling prices or transit prices or lowering those. It can just change traffic patterns, which is great for emissions and um, kind of curb appeal. So um, solving some really cool problems and have had a great time growing a team there. And that kind of brings us to present day. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, a, it's a very like interesting pathway to um, the role that you're right now. I mean, you pretty much started being like technically self-taught. You like you and you said like a friend of yours just went head on and tried to build this app and create this app and then you got an opportunity at Wells Fargo and stuff like that. So that was, that's very interesting to like 
for people to know that it's like you don't need to go to university really you can draw your pathway into a creative industry if you have the drive for it as well and you yeah and you touch on an interesting thing too when i'm looking at applications one of the things that you grow up thinking that education is so important and education is so important but i think more now i look at like a college education is going somewhere to learn how to learn but i think with the world that we live in with being creatives and also like front end colleges have a really hard time keeping up with that curriculum so it's so much easier to push yourself and be self-driven to learn so much more on your own than it is to go through a university not to say that that's not a great path but it's not a, a total consideration when we're looking for people to bring in it's mm. more of problem solving and, and design chops do you think that that's a question that wasn't planned but uh, do you think the universes will ever catch up with the industry because i feel like a big problem like you know a big gap it's because like the creative industry or like the uh, the front end development or like the product industry, like product design industry, is so f fast paced compared to the university pace. They're so bureaucratic that like maybe that's where the gap is. You know, that mm -hmm. like you don't really need a degree because they cannot catch up to what the current standards are. Because once they get you know to like a 2018 standards, then our industry is already like two years ahead and if not more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, that, that is like a whole nother path and I'm probably not suited to talk too much about <laughs> that, but like, I do think, um, they've got to catch up this, this is, I, I love, I think that's one of the things that I love about doing what I do is that I think there's a lot of job security. Mm -hmm. We're moving to a really mobile digital world to where anything that continues to evolve is going to require UX, um, design thoughtfulness and mm -hmm. problem solving. Uh, so they've got to catch up because there are so many people that are going to be in this industry. And I think, though, it's not shouldn't just fall on the universities. It should go all the way back down to like preschool and teaching kids from like the very inception to to be able to code and, and think through problems uh, creatively like design. That's cool. So you kind of like touched a little bit of what you already do at Passport. But like, could you just give a little more um, insight on what, what's your role and what you actually do for Passport? Um, yeah, so when I came on, it was uh, really just me and then a woman named Sarah who was a marketing designer. So uh, she was focused very much on doing marketing things and illustrations. Um, and then my job was tasked to take all of our version one applications, which the company came to pretty quickly without a, a ton of um, like user testing or, or process or analytics. Uh, so taking some of that stuff digging in, learning about user behaviors where we kind of miss the mark and start to like one product at a time, update that to a V2. So we're actually now at a point where we're getting ready to, we just launched a kind of a beta version of a V2 transit app in Miami. Um, and now we're getting ready to launch our V2 parking app, which has been fascinating uh, to go through that. So it's, uh, my job has been um, digging in with product managers and strategists and finding out how users have been using them in the past and then finding those hot points of, of where we missed the mark, where didn't we set expectations and going in from the wireframes uh, to features and, and then building it all the way up to high fidelities and prototypes and testing it out on the streets and then actually go taking it into um, development and getting ready to launch a brand new one and building out all those at the same time though, because Passport is growing so quickly mm -hmm. is I'm, I've been hiring new designers to do product designers. So we have Jamie and Mike who are in there that are tasked with now taking over transit and also that data platform mm -hmm. and hiring more marketing designers to be able to keep up with how we sell all of that. So right now I'm in this kind of interesting purgatory where I'm 
in the weeds solving design problems, but also shifting into more of like that um, team leadership role to, to kind of empower everybody else to be able to solve these while also trying to keep a holistic view of what the product should be and how everything should kind of work together. Okay, that's cool. So do you look a lot of data? Um, do you guys do a lot of user research? I mean, I guess it's a different way that you guys do the... Yeah, so we'll we'll continue to do more data. We didn't have a ton of analytics in the first one, so now with the new apps, we've pumped it with a, a, a lot that we'll be able to learn a lot from this. So I'm sure there's going to be some places that we fail, but we'll see it immediately mm -hmm. and be able to iterate on it. So we're becoming more of a data-driven company, um, cool. so we're making more educated decisions. But um, some of it is, like right now, it's balanced between data and also gut assumptions. Um, where we can, we're jumping out on the streets and doing user testing also with prototypes, um, I can talk a little bit about the tools that I use to do that, but um, that that's also educating the, decision, the decisions that we're making. That's cool. So, like, just like, so just let's just jump ahead because you kind of just answered like the the following question on your background, and that's that's okay. That's awesome. Um, so, like, I'm calling I'm calling the interview in stages. So we're just gonna go to stage two. It's more on like breaking down your creative process when you're like developing something. Um, so just to start, how, how do you approach a new project? Like, how do you go about getting like, you know, the best, I guess, pathway to, you know, do that project? Um, so yeah, I mean, it starts with um, locking ourselves in a room, looking at all the data that we do have, looking at kind of bucketing the problems that we need to solve and then attacking those one at a time. Um, as far as like creative, getting the creative juices going, um, it's coordinates with right now, we're, we're getting ready to have a Dribbble meetup here in Charlotte tonight. So we've got a um, bunch of people that are coming in and Dribbble is a, is a great platform for being able to look in there for inspiration. Um, I think that kind of goes back also to when I was at Skookum, looking at problems that we solved in one area and being able to apply that in a totally different area mm -hmm. and, and finding these kind of patterns that we'll be able to creatively solve new problems. Uh, so I've got, I, I'm a total app junkie. So my phone is loaded with pretty much every single app you can have. If it's something that's been done many times over, like a Twitter app or a weather app, I've got all of them just because I love to see how other people have solved the mm -hmm. same problem because um, you have a very strong base on that. And then just there's a lot of creativity that people can go from on that to, to make it digestible. So I'll often look at, um, with parking, there's interesting things to where we have to be able to display easily rate changes, dynamic rates, um, time based on like one minute increments to five to 15. It gets really complicated. So kind of boiling that down to one digestible thing that's able to pick a rate while setting expectations. Um, Feel like I'm going down a ten. No, you good. This, but um, looking at some of the patterns, so we looked at some calendar apps that are out there. Calendar is another great one where everybody uses a calendar, but there's so many different takes that yeah. people can do. So finding a, an easy way to just drag rather than typically with a lot of parking apps, people have to tap the up and down button to be able to change hours or minutes or use the Rolodex to be able to change date and time, which doesn't always apply based on the really complicated rates on that. So finding mm -hmm. this kind of drab, draggable thing um, that can easily show you exactly how long you're parking and, and kind of morph to be able to fit whatever the structure is. It was a really hard problem to solve. And unfortunately, I, I, describing it won't do it justice. So when the new parking app comes out next month, then everybody can just download it and play with it. But um, uh, I think we, we had some really creative solutions to that that I think we're really proud of. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the main piece of the app with how, you're at, how we're building that. So 
uh, we, but we iterated through probably 20 different solutions trying to nail down that one super complicated piece, which is the thing that I love about product design is that you get to play with this stuff. And when you are kind of solving these things, even though you're looking at inspiration from all these other places, you're solving, when it's a great product, um, problems that haven't been solved before. And so hopefully the solution that you have that comes out is super useful and intuitive and just kind of eye-opening that you can do something in an easy way with like one single slide rather than 20 taps. That's awesome. So, um, I'll let you ask another question. <laughs> no, so like, so just, you look at inspiration pretty much in everywhere, really, um, mm -hmm. related, I mean, to the specific test that you're looking for. You, like you said, Dribbble is one place that you look for inspiration, and you also download a bunch of apps and see how people do different tasks. In yeah, and, and it's unique, too, with parking. Like, there's real-world situations, too. So going out on the streets and just watching people park, um, we've got meters that people are putting in quarters, and each quarter is like a button press tec technically for the number of uh, taps that it might take to be able to start a session, um, the street signage and how people are relaying information. Um, that's a really interesting one because street signage is notoriously unattractive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's almost like by design that when you're looking, if you're looking for a super attractive sign, you might not see it. It's going to be invisible. So you have to follow certain best standards in real life, um, to be able to accomplish that stuff, but still find ways to improve on it and add clarity. But, um, yeah, with, with these kind of problems, same thing with doing the train or transit, um, watching people stand in line at a kiosk and how deep that gets um, yeah. while trying to find a better solution to be able to provide somebody with a ticket on their mobile device that's awesome um, is just really cool stuff to be able to kind of work through in real life plus digital so that's cool so in like in what moment do you stop and like look back at the progress that you guys already did um maybe you guys work in sprints or like weekly sprints or you know like two weeks or something um, but like at what time like what moment you stop and look back at work, review the project? Whenever I'm feeling nostalgic, I guess. <laughs> it, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the current. It, it, I, so, I, typically the way I'll structure my, I use Sketch. So I'll, I'll typically use, I've got tons of pages with different features on each page. So it's not too loaded down, but then I'll also have an archive mm -hmm. um, one until that gets too big. And then I've got a separate archive um, file of just Sketch that I'll put all of this stuff in. So I'll often look back at that just mm -hmm. to see where we came from, kind of rehashed to see if maybe we overlooked a potential solution. Um, but I try to make a habit of looking back at that at least once a month just to see where we came from to kind of validate that we are on the right path. So That's cool. That's an interesting um, way to actually look back at your project. I mean, a lot of people just, you know, just get to a certain point. It's like, okay, now I need to start looking back and see my progress and stuff. So just going at random, I guess, times also – keeps your eyes fresh to the project as well. Yeah, and we also, um, some of the things too with design, uh, some of the things that we face at Passport is design is still a new industry, especially when it comes to product. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of mindset or, or people that are out there that maybe don't fully understand what we do as creatives. Um, it's We're not just pushing pixels or making something look pretty, like we're in there solving the, the, the deep problems early on. Mm -hmm. So um, another thing that we try to do is do a retro as often as we can for the company to where we're, we're going to do one with a V2 coming up to where we'll take them through the, the first version where we were missing kind of those iterative steps that we started with the failures on kind of mocking up certain solutions and then getting them to the final point so they can kind of see the journey that we go through and then kind of talk a little bit more about 
how we solved certain problems that we had that's uh, cool. looking at that. So that's another time that we'll definitely look back at those first steps too, so that we can kind of share those. It's great to share failures because I think that will help them understand a little bit more all the things that we do go through. It's not just slapping it up there and then calling it a day. Good. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really got to understand the failures to to actually uh, appreciate and see like what you did different to like help people. I think that's the the beauty of product. That's why I love product design so much because it's like you said, we're not just creating beautiful pieces. We're like making people's life easier day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's pretty awesome. So we're going to the step three now, uh, stage three. Um, to start it, who, who inspired or guided you or helped you to get where you are today? Um, <laughs> that's, um, that's a hard question just because uh, in the world that I was before with being in real estate and sales, there were just not any natural like people to inspire aside from websites. Um, mm-hmm. So I, there's not one mentor that I've had, and I, I hope I don't look back at this later and feel like I totally dropped the ball. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep thinking about this, and I'll just scream out a name if I if I think of something. But um, I think uh, one one thing that was big, I mentioned his name earlier, was Dylan Ginsburg. Uh, him having some random dude sending, I, I was using pages at the time to mock up designs, <laughs> and sending over like, random ideas of what I thought might be great enhancements for an app that he had kind of put his blood, sweat and tears into and was successful solely because of his efforts. Like he could have been like, go away, man. Like mm-hmm. this is, <laughs> I got this. Um, but for him to actually take the time to, to entertain my thoughts and then actually meet with me, I mean, he was in Virginia. So we actually met in Charleston, but we, it was almost like a pen pal deal um, for him to kind of see that and encourage me in the ways that he did was, was huge. So um, he's definitely on there. And then I think some of the other stuff, and I know it will sound so cliche is just, um, Steve jobs is a beast or was a beast. <laughs> um, I, I, that, that moment where I, I remember, so it was, it was funny. I had, I used to build towers, um, computer towers for mm-hmm. friends. So I'd go in and, and do all the components and, um, build it, upgrade it, spent so much time opening that and closing that and getting in there. And it was just ridiculous. And I remember standing in CompUSA line at midnight, um, waiting for Windows Vista to come out. Mm-hmm. And it was like $350. And I got in there at 1201 and bought Windows Vista and drove home and installed it in my custom made computer. And every single thing broke, like all the drivers, <laughs> like just were, were not compatible with anything that I had put in there that was custom. And it was just done. I was so frustrated, but I was like, ah, oh, this is a cool problem I can solve. I can open this up even more and solve it, but there was nothing I could do with Windows mm-hmm. Vista. It's notorious. But um, that was at that same time, though, was when Steve Jobs got out there and introduced the first iPhone. And I just remember his presentation of the way of like creating this real problem and how it affects real people of having mobile devices and not being able to, like, you've got your iPod and you've got... Uh, you say you, you need a phone and then you want to be able to surf the web and you've got these little pens and then him like bringing up these three icons and a, a phone, a music player, a browser and kept on saying it. And then like up comes that flashy iPhone yeah. and then talking about how like it immediately integrated with iMacs and like anything you put on your calendar on your phone is immediately on your iMac and vice mm-hmm. versa. And it was just this system that worked. So like I remember like that for some reason that one was broadcast on TV and I got out. And I went down to the Apple store and I bought like a 24 inch iMac and I came back and I threw away my custom tower with Windows Vista on it. And 
knowing that six months from that point, the iPhone was going to be out there, but I was like, I'm going to have my computer and I'm going to be ready for it. And of course I stood in line for the iPhone too, for like 24 hours at the AT&T store. But, <laughs> um, like what was so cool about that was that it, I know it's their tagline, it just works, but like I never had to open up the computer to fix something. It never broke. It never needed updating like in the, the way that things that I did before. And it was just this big one single body and everything was inside of it. And it was just sexy. Like all them I mean, and their products are just notoriously sexy. So um, that was that moment where I was like, gosh, they solve so many problems with these few things. Like how do I get on that boat? So rest in peace and thanks for inspiring me too, Steve. But that's a huge piece. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like to compare him. Well, I like to compare Elon Musk to him as well. People think that I'm a little crazy when I say it, but I just like the way that they go about creating a product to like, it's not just about the usability that, by the way, they really think about the usability. And but they're it's also about making sexy. Like like you say, like the iPhone, it's like, it's amazing product. And then you see like a Tesla out there. It's uh, just like, oh my God. Like you just want to lick those too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and it's, there's, there's just so much gutsiness behind their decisions too. Like they know, even though, I mean, I know Tesla's in an interesting place right now, but like they know that this is, this is going to solve problems. Like this is going to change the world. Uh, same thing with like Sp SpaceX. Yeah. Like it's... I think he has a master plan that he's going to have autonomous cars lowering the death rate. Their earth is going to get overpopulated and he's going to have SpaceX to be able to get everybody up to a new planet and come back down. So it's this great master plan. <laughs> yeah, he does. But everyone. like it is, it's that big vision and the ability to execute on this and change lives, even though people don't know that they need it yet. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's incredible too. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So what, what tips do you have for new creatives? Like are people trying to break into this industry, like the creative industry? Um, I think finding somebody that can kind of show you some of the tools, if, if, if not somebody face to face, like jumping on onto some of the plural or Linda or whatever's out there, whatever's out there now to be able to see how other people are using the tools, um, and, and finding, like, I think eventually you get to a point you can't copy anymore. Like mm -hmm. that's bad. But when you're first learning, like look at your phone, download apps, recreate them, find ways to like make those shapes, lay lay things out. Then I think once you've recreated it, then you get to kind of play with it um, and tweak it to your own style and kind of find your own voice. Um, I think it's a, a really fun thing. I remember doing that and, and the things that now I take for granted that are so easy to do in these programs, like learning it the first time is like these eureka moments. And I think that's one of the things too. I think anybody that wants to get into this they're probably wanting to because they like solving problems. Mm -hmm. And anytime you, anytime you want to solve problems and you're getting to learn something new and you're having those eureka moments, it's just fuel to keep going. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of gets you to geek out about that kind of whole process. So, um, and then also thinking big. I remember um, the manager that should have never hired me, but I'm so glad he did at Wells Fargo. <laughs> I remember when I was um, developing some things, he I, I started building out navigation for the pages and it was... HTML and CSS and I, HTML was injected on every single page. And if I had to make a change, I had to make it in every single place. Mm. So obviously not good. And he's like, why are you doing this? Just build one single component and then inject it onto the page and you make the change and it propagates everywhere. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and then um, that changed just my way of thinking. When you get into using Sketch or whatever, those things now have that same mentality of using symbols or components and finding ways to kind of make your workflow better. I think that's another way of problem solving to kind of just if you're in the mode of problem solving while you're designing, it influences your designs even more too. And just is kind of adding more to, to what you're doing. So 
That's cool. So just to finish out, what are some of your like favorite resources? You're just like sketch. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, um, it's funny too, I being having a background in front-end development, I used to think that designers needed to know front-end and CSS and HTML and how to build stuff. But now you can use these things like principle is one that I use um, that got a, a new beta today for for principle four. There are other ones like Flinto, um, Framer X will be coming out soon, Studio from Envision. All of these things let you make prototypes, but I think mm-hmm. that's such a big deal to find ways to not not just design things, but find ways to delight users through thoughtful u- movement mm-hmm. um, to let them know where something came from, where is it going to go back, make them smile if you can. So these things, these tools are just so great and so easy to be able to take an element from one place to another, and then you can get more complicated with it. But love those tools, um, and I love exploring with any of those. I'm on the wait list for FrameworkX. If you guys are listening, send me one, please, because <laughs> that's going to be... Um, pretty impactful too but yeah anything that helps you take the designs to another level great cool well so that's all my questions um that i have for you today um thank you once again for letting me interview you and thank you for being the first one in person as well um i had the the few other ones was like online so it was like a little different you know interaction but um i really enjoy it to listen about your story like what are you doing with passport how are you helping people find parking spaces and getting um trains and <laughs> all <of> areas <laughs> uh, everything <laughs> easier um so just before we go do you want to just tell everyone where to find you how they can get in contact with you uh, on dribble uh just rob luke uh you can find me there posting some shots so you can kind of see some of the things that i talked about there um not i don't do a lot on um Twitter, except for just creep and follow other people, but um, Rob Luke Design on there, and then also Rob Luke Design on Instagram if you want to see pictures of my kids. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, thank you again. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Great beard. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>